you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family... Look for delicious Kroger brand products because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. And now, Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Move the Sticks. DJ and Bucky here with you. And and Buck, at the top of every show, I always start out with the same question. Uh, Buck, how you doing? Um, I feel like that question is, uh, uh, I feel like everybody's asking that question right now. How are you doing, man? Uh, I'm Look, DJ, I'm, I'm doing okay. I will say this, though. Um, uh, it meant a lot. You sent me a text this weekend uh, in the middle of everything that was going on, the chaos, just to see how I'm doing. And so, like, Look, man, I'm very appreciative, obviously, of our friendship, um, of how we respect each other, how we actually love and adore each other as people. And I think uh, the thing that came out about everything this weekend is just more so a humanity standpoint, like just as a humanitarian, like just valuing other people. And like people can talk about like black, white, uh, Asians and others and all that other stuff. But I I really think it just kind of comes down to just that aspect. Can you value the person that is standing beside you? Can you have a level of empathy for whatever struggles they may be going through? Because we all are going through some kind of struggle or thing that we're working through. And if you can just take the time to like listen, understand and try and make people better, like all of this stuff will uh I won't say necessarily go away, 
but all of it can be handled in the right manner. So I think in anything, like I think if people just take the time to just pause, listen, and just try and help those that are uh, going through stuff, those that are less fortunate, I think would will be better. We always talk about it. Like, let's just leave uh, where you are, your community in a better place than you inherited. If you just think about just following that, um, we'll be better people for it all. Yeah, it was, uh, man, it just a, just a gut punch, you know, starting with how this whole thing started. When you see, you know, the, the, the murder of an innocent man, like I, 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 we were texting about it. I, I couldn't get that in my head. Like, how do you, how do you unsee that? And, and just, it's so awful. And I just, I've tried to take it. Everybody has deal deals with things differently. And I've just kind of taken this time and said, man, I just need to, I need to read. I need to, to listen and, and just learn more, you know? And so that's kind of the, the approach that I've, that I've taken just to try and learn more through this process. And, um, you know, we, we talk about in scouting, we use a term that he's a good teammate, you know, like he's, mm-hmm. he's a good teammate. We just need to be good teammates, man. That, that's 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 what the world needs. We just need to. We're all on the same team. Just be a good teammate. Like that's like to me is the simple. It's over simple, maybe. I don't know. That's to me is what it comes down to. Just, just all be good teammates. It does come down to that, J, uh, DJ. And I, I'm so glad that um, we had uh, sports backgrounds, right? Because ultimately, like sports are the kind of like the ultimate thing when it comes to uniting uh, communities. Because the one thing that we know about sports and participating on teams like ultimately like it's a meritocracy and it doesn't really Mm -hmm. matter like uh far more times than not like the best player plays and everyone has a role and in that role when you're in the huddle and you look around the huddle you don't think about all those other things it's how can i support my teammate how can i put my teammate in a position where he can be successful so we can be successful and then we celebrate together in the end zone we celebrate at the end of games we do all of those things. And so um, I think one of the things that will come about it, um, people getting back to sports, coaches getting back to a, let's really talk about those lessons. It's one thing to have slogans and PR campaigns or whatever, but if we can remember the essence of why we participate in sports is to teach young people lessons that will help them beyond the field. If we can just Focus on those things like teaching people how to be better, the sacrifice, the hard work, the commitment, um, those things, those things work. The same things that you learn from high school all the way up, they matter. If we just can pass those traits on to the next generation of folks, we'll see things change. We'll see the world become a better place. Yeah, my son's my son's high school coach um, had sent out some text messages to all his team and I, I was able to see it. I got on my son's phone and looked at it. But it was pr- protect each other, you know, protect each other. There's your brothers, they're your teammates, you know, love one another, you protect each other. And I'm like, man, that's that's a message to a high school football team, but that's like a message to the country. You know, that's a message to the world. Love each other, protect each other, you know. And I'm sitting there, you as a high school football coach, Buck, I'm just curious, you know, what, what, do, you, what do you say to your kids, you know? So it's funny, like DJ, like, I feel like I learned so much from our conversations, from the conversations we have with others. And having the conversation a couple of weeks ago with John Smoltz, and he talked about the rules that the Atlanta Braves had, right? And he just mm-hmm. talked about, hey, wear your headphones, be on time, uh, be a pro, basically, wear your uniform the right way or whatever. And so I took that and we created three rules, like, hey, be on time, represent Granada, and be the standard. So being on time is just like, hey, be be on time. Understand, like, you kind of um, make sure that you're respecting everyone's time by being punctual and the other thing. Being Granada is just like represent your community, meaning, like, look, hardworking, together, tough, all the other stuff. But really be the standard is 
model the behavior that you want to see. So if you mm-hmm. talk about being a champion on and off the field, like you have to model that behavior, help those that are around you, leave the place uh, clean and tidy, do all of those things. If you just kind of live it like you talk about it, like we're going to be fine. And I think that is the thing that has come out of it. Like when I look around and I see all the stuff and like you, I kind of had to check out from social media a little bit in terms of just like watching too much. It was kind of like overconsumption of all of the stuff. And if you just pause and just think, man, what are all the things that like my high school coach said? Like all those things are applicable. If we just do those things and just try and make the world a better place, everything will kind of fall into place. No doubt, man. I, again, just uh, some some point in time, you get to that point where just you just pray, just pray for everybody, and, and uh, that, that we're going to get to better days ahead. Um, we, we are going to talk football today because not only I think some people tune in, they want it, they want to hear some something fun and something enjoyable. It's a kind of a dark time right now. We've we've got uh, we've got a fun discussion with Chris Collinsworth, who's 16 time Emmy winner, Buck 16. Um, he was a good receiver in his day too. Four thousand yard seasons, you know, playing with the Bengals, been in the Super Bowl, all that. We all know him as the broadcaster. He's a good player, um, but we have a long visit with him. I think we, gosh, we chatted with him for over 30 minutes. Yeah, uh, I think which we're going to use a, a chunk on the TV show on Thursday, um, and we will. I believe we're going to try and, and release the audio podcast a day early. We have been releasing it on Friday, the second one of the week. Uh, the goal is to get that out Thursday at some point in time, um, and we'll have the whole chunk, the whole interview. Um, but we do want to play a little snippet of it today. Um, and, and following that, we're going to also talk some quarterbacks from the last three drafts. And we, we believe in, in teams in the, in, at the line of scrimmage. That's where you win football games. So I, I've got the five best teams, in my opinion, in mm-hmm. the trenches. And I want to get your opinion on that as well. But uh, before we get to those discussions, uh, we're going to be a little taste here of our conversation with Chris Collinsworth. You know, quarterbacks are naturally the center of attention and they will kind of distract us because we have Pat Mahomes, we have Lamar Jackson, two guys that have been back-to-back MVPs in only their second season. Chris, what, what's behind the young quarterbacks having success right away and teams being able to build upon that success by surrounding them with good teams? Well, it takes a lot to be Russell Wilson, right? To be Aaron Rodgers, to be Tom Brady, to be Drew Brees, where you've been paid. Right. You got paid the the 30 million, the 35 million, the 40 million, wherever we're going here. Uh, And now really good players on your team had to be cut because they had to pay you. And so now, okay, yeah, Russell Wilson, you were fantastic when you were on that rookie contract. And now can you keep that level of play going once you get paid? And some of those players around you now have to be rookies and have to be younger players and uh, free agents and some of the things that, that he's had to see. Uh, there's not, uh, you know, they've never paid their offensive line. Uh, Russell, you're on your own, right? Let's go out there and create and make some plays and, and, and see how it goes. So I, I think that that is the question for the young quarterbacks, the Patrick Mahomes, the Lamar Jacksons. Can you still play at that level if in fact the players around you are at a lesser level than what you're used to playing. Uh, I don't think anybody is looking at Patrick Mahomes and going, this guy is going to regress, right? I mean, everything that he's done, he played one of the, the one of the worst games I personally had seen him play for three quarters in the Super Bowl and still brought his team back to be world champions. So those are some of the questions though that are coming up for these young quarterbacks. When you look at those quarterbacks on those second contracts, Chris, I think about, 
you know, the New Orleans Saints with Drew Brees, even though he's on that uh, bigger money deal, they've done such a good job in the draft that I still feel like you could say that, if not the most talented, one of the most talented rosters in the NFL. But I think it goes to your point of if, if you've paid the quarterback, man, you just can afford fewer mistakes, especially when it comes to the draft. Yeah, and, and it's, you know, the whole New Orleans Saints thing, you, you look at them and the one year they had the draft where they got the four starters out of it and, you know, and it just carries them for, you know, four or five years uh, when you hit on one like that. So, yeah, the draft is always going to be the key thing. I've got two dogs in the house, so welcome to uh, welcome to quarantine here. As we're waiting in the uh, grandbaby number two, but uh, yeah, I think absolutely that, that being able to pick out those players and for for people who have never done it, if you've never actually tried to watch film, study the draft, study the team needs, and take a look at which player you would actually pick and figure out how many times you were wrong. I mean, so wrong, you can't imagine it. It is it is the most bizarre thing. I've been doing it now for, I don't know, for four or five years uh, since I've been affiliated with PFF and been able to really watch the film and study it. But if you're hitting 50%, you're pretty good, right? I mean, you guys are experts in the field. What, what's the percentage that, that you feel good about? Well, Chris, I think I always say this. I always say this to my buddies in the league. I was like, look, when, when we're with teams, we had to be right seven to ten times, right? Only, only guys they know that you, how you had them graded are the guys you select. I said, when you're in the media, you got to grade all these guys. You get judged on all, you know, 255 players in terms of how you had them. Because we've both been in draft rooms, and Buck can tell you the stories too, where man, the, you know, that's the smartest pick in the world. They took this guy. What a hit. And we're, They don't know if the guy that got picked before us would have been there, we would have taken him, and he was a complete bust. So we kind of lucked out <laughs> with that guy falling into our lap. But I, I think this is harder when you got to try and get all of them, uh, put your resume on all these guys out there. Well, Patrick Mahomes, what did he fall to? Number 10, number 11, something like that in the draft. So everybody, every time somebody tells me, oh, yeah, I knew all along, I knew that was the guy. I'm like, you did not. <laughs> if you knew that was going to be what we've seen so far, you'd have traded up to the number one pick and traded every draft choice you had for the next three years. So stop it. I don't even want to hear it. So, Buck, I mean, that, as good as that was, trust me, there's, there's a lot more. Um, he's, he's so thoughtful. You can tell why he's been so successful as a broadcaster because, A, the guy's brilliant. And, uh, and B, he's an outstanding communicator. Uh, but that topic on quarterbacks and, and when you pay them and how that changes things, I, I think is fascinating. Yeah, it, it really is fascinating. It's a, it's, it's a discussion that I wonder because um, coming from his background, obviously like seeing what he sees on Sunday Night Football, but being the CEO of PFF and how they dig into the data to try and find value, I do wonder in some of those discussions that we're having, um, how do you build – a team around a, a quarterback that is on the second contract. And, you know, a lot for, a lot of times when we talk about the justification for paying quarterbacks 30 plus million dollars, we're saying, hey, these guys elevate their teammates. And so we're paying them because they're so good that they can take a, a cast of no one, uh, nobodies and elevate them. Like we've seen Tom Brady do not d disrespecting like who the Patriots wide receivers have been, but he's not yeah. played with like A-level guys at all times. Uh, we've seen Aaron Rodgers do that at times throughout his career. He has elevated the play of guys that weren't necessarily A-level players. So the quarterback that you're paying that money, he has to be able to show that he can do that. Now, the problem comes when you pay someone that kind of money 
and you know that they can't do it. So we've talked about it in trucks and trailers parlance where trucks, guys like Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson, guys that can kind of carry the squad. Well, you pay those guys. It's when you start paying the trailers, the guys who need (laughs) A-level talent on the other side, that's when your salary cap gets out of whack. And that's what I think um, decision makers have to determine. One, is my quarterback a truck or a trailer? Two, can I hold a hard line when I tell him and his representatives, hey, man, your guy's a truck. I'm not. He's he's a trailer. I'm not overpaying him for what he brings to the table. And if you can find that elsewhere, I'm fine because I believe I can find another quarterback that is similar. We, we've, we've talked to trucks and trailers for several years, and I, and I love it. I think it makes perfect sense. I was thinking of another car analogy, though, in this in this scenario. You know, think about a uh, a family. Say you got a family of six, right, Buck? Mm-hmm. And you know, you want to go get a new vehicle. Man, that sports car looks nice. Man, that thing is really nice. It is first class. I mean, that thing's comfortable. It's beautiful. But you can't fit all six people in that sports car. <laughs> Uh, so you got to decide, like, okay, I'm going to pay the quarterback, but some of these other guys can't get in the car. There's no yes. room for them. That is a great that is a great way to do it. Because, yeah, like, I, I used to like sports cars, but sports cars are a little <laughs> dangerous, right? But my favorite car, because I grew up a, across the street, um, Danny Peebles grew up, and he played for the Cleveland Browns for a little bit. So he used to come into the neighborhood when I was a high school senior. He had a white Corvette. I mean, oh, nice. DJ, it was a, I mean, a spectacular Corvette. Pearly white. <laughs> rims and everything but the thing about a corvette it's only two seats in that thing that's it like you can't get anybody in the back and so when we're paying these quarterbacks like high-end money like pat mahomes pat mahomes is a i mean people talk about him as a ferrari or whatever it is but i know it's only two seats in that car (laughs) so who are you leaving out does that mean that a travis kelsey uh, chris jones chris Hey, we, we may have to circle back and pick you, but I had to make two trips. So <laughs> you have to make that decision. And I think you have to start drafting for that contract now. So when you think about the Kansas City Chiefs getting Miko Hartman, I'm not saying he's there to replace Tyreek Hill, but it makes a lot, lot of sense to go to Miko Hartman. If he flashes a little bit, sign him to an extension at real low money. Right. Big money for him, but low money based on what Tyreek Hill is is making and saying, yeah, Tyreek Hill, we're going to go the other direction or maybe Travis Kelsey or somebody else. But I think you have to have that conversation in mind when you are beginning to talk about paying Pat Mahomes at the end of his rookie deal. Yeah, and that's why I keep coming back to the importance of being able to draft well. You have to be comfortable with players leaving, knowing you're going to get comp picks. Or you can trade players as they're going into their last year if you're not going to be able to resign them. But you've got to be able to, to get picks uh, when guys walk out the door, and you've got to be able to hit. The challenge is when you're when you're a guy's leaving and he's getting 15, 16 million a year somewhere else. You got to try and find a way to replace a 15 million dollar player with a third, fourth, fifth round pick. Um, that's difficult to do. But that again is another theory that I that I believe in is that that's why. You know, the ability to trade back and some of the smart GMs have done that because, Buck, if we agree what the batting averages are and hitting these picks, there's one way to there's one way to ensure you'll have more success. That's to get more of them. Yeah. Um, To be able to trade back and get more picks. So when you have comp picks and then you have the ability to trade back, man, now I've got multiple lottery tickets. I got to hit on a couple of these things. Yeah. And that also goes to something else. You got to be able to double down on some of those things. Like when you have a position of need, um, not only do you throw. Uh, draft capital at them, but you throw some free agent capital at it to make sure that you really shore up the position. Um, I also wonder 
when we're talking about this long-term discussion, it kind of sheds light on why the coaching staff and the front office have to be on the same page. Um, if we go back and we look at the Seattle Seahawks and the success that they had with the Legion of Boom and those things, well, the reason it was able to work is because the coaching staff were great developers. They were unafraid to play young players. They gave them game experience, and they had teachers that could get those guys ready to play, which made it easy made it easier for the team to move off of players when they had to. If you don't have a coaching staff that can develop young players, you can't build your team the way that we're talking nope. about building it. And if you're not, I would say, systematic in your approach, offensively and defensively, where you have a level of consistency, where you can plug guys in and they can develop within that system, it's hard to do it. When we talk about, oh, it's players over system and we're going to build a system around the players, it's hard to have a players over system approach when you're trying to also kind of build these things around the quarterback because you can't have that much change and have a level of the consistency that will lead you to be a perennial contender with a quarterback that is making all this money. Now, I, I know they, they uh, only won one uh, championship, right? With the Colts, with Peyton, only one. They only won one. But if you look at the sustained success that they had, I'll use another analogy. I don't know if you remember this from Sunday school, but you remember they used to say they, they do that whole uh, uh, visual where they take a, they have a big jar and they've got big rocks, medium-sized rocks, little rocks. They've got sand and they've got water. And they go, okay, do you think we can fit all this stuff inside this jar? And it's like, okay, well, let me try and you try and put some little rocks in, put some sand in, then you can't get... And the whole moral of the story is you got to get the big rocks in first. If you put the big rocks in first then the little rocks, yes. then the sand, then the water, then you can fill it all up. But the whole moral of the story is, you know, make the most important thing, the main thing, the main thing, right? Yeah. So if you look at those Colts teams, yeah, they, they couldn't pay, you know, some players and let guys walk, but they always paid their edge rushers, right? With, with Freeney and Mathis, they paid their edge rushers, they paid the quarterback, and then they paid, well, I mean, they played the receivers, what they didn't, what they didn't necessarily spend a ton of money on, is the offensive line, which Peyton Manning kind of was able to overcome. I never thought they had a great line; they were okay, no. but never great. Um, you know, they had some good corners, but they didn't have elite corners. I have to go back and, and look at it. They play a lot of cover two back then as well. Well, yeah, because you're playing from you're playing from ahead, and so yeah. the reason why you pay the pass rush is, is hey, look. Those guys affect the game more than anybody, more than the corners or whatever. It's easier to find corners that can sit and play cover two. Like, no disrespect to all the Tampa two corners that are out there, but it's easier yeah. to teach guys to play that system. Um, to go on top of that, DJ, it's funny. You talked about who they paid. Um, it's not only who they paid. It's where they spent their draft capital, right? Yep. So if you look at what they did is they had Peyton Manning, and then they threw their first-round picks at wide receivers, mm -hmm. okay? So for those four or five years, you get Marvin Harrison, Reggie Wayne, and all those guys on so cheaper Gonzalez. deals. Gonzalez, yeah. Yeah, Tony, you get them on cheaper deals. Now, their pass rushes, they drafted Dwight Freeney early, but Robert Mathis was like a fifth or a sixth-round pick yeah. that kind of developed, and then they paid them. Then everybody else, you got to get in where you fit in. And yep. so that's just kind of how it worked. And the funny thing about Bill Polian, Bill Polian, who built the Colts, came from the Buffalo Bills. He used the same thing to build the Buffalo Bills up. He had Jim Kelly, who they got from the USFL, Andre Reed, who they developed and eventually paid. Uh, Thurman Thomas was a Hall of Famer. Bruce Smith was a Hall of Famer on the D-line. But it was the same thing. Quarterbacks, pass catchers, edge rushers. And then they would always draft a first-round running back. But never, mm -hmm. I mean, 
He wouldn't resign him. He didn't resign. Yeah. He didn't resign Marshall Falk. He didn't resign Edrin James. They drafted uh, just a, a die. Oh, Joseph Adai. Joseph Adai. Yeah. Joseph Adai in the first round. But they never yep. made him. And so yep. he was on it. It worked for them. The only reason it fell apart is because Peyton Manning got hurt and they mm. had Curtis Painter, so they didn't have a backup quarterback that could sustain it. Yeah. I, again, though, I just think it's you, you got to have a plan, right? There, there's Sometimes it's not the right plan or the wrong plan. It's just you have a plan and you don't have a plan. And I think that um, it's a fascinating discussion on what happens when you pay these quarterbacks. But I think I believe it can't be done. And I, I know uh, – I think Mina Kimes, uh, our buddy at ESPN, had actually pointed this out at one point in time because it was, you know, for the crowd that says you can't win with a quarterback on a second contract, you know, do we know that, uh, you know, that the that Seattle was going to be able to recover an onside kick to knock out Aaron Rodgers? Did, you know, does that have anything to do with the second contract? Do we know the, you know, the the music or the uh, the miracle in Minneapolis? Yeah. You know, that play happens. I mean, if that doesn't happen, then then Breeze moves on. Plus the missed pass interference penalty against the Rams. You know, who knows that that Saints team could have won the championship. So some of those factors I don't think have anything to do with whether or not, you know, you were able to build a good enough roster. You just got some dumb luck. Yeah, you have some dumb luck. I I think the thing that comes out of all of it, um, you have to really be able to major in the draft. It makes it a lot easier to build a team if you can major in the draft. Like some executives can major in free agency because the apples to apples evaluation, they understand how to pick it, but it's very costly when you go that route. Um, The guys that are able to major in the draft and really draft well and draft well at various rounds of the draft, they're the ones that can kind of build sustainable models regardless of whether the quarterback is getting paid or not. I just think it's understanding exactly where you are with the quarterback and being able to shift gears from a team building standpoint based on how you have to treat the quarterback. If he's a big money guy or if he's a rookie guy, if he's a rookie guy, now I can surround him with vets because I need those guys to win early before I have to pay him. But once he gets paid, now it flips and we got to draft better. Yeah, but no, it's. Again, it all comes down to the draft. At the end of the day, you got to be able to sustain your success. You better be good in the draft. Uh, speaking of the draft, when we look at the quarterbacks from the last three draft classes, 18, 19, and 20, we talked a little bit about this the other day, but I just want to know if there's another name that you would that you would uh, bring to the forefront. Um, I know I mentioned that I would take Kyler Murray out of all that group. I know you said you predicted Kyler was going to be the MVP, so I, you, you said the same thing, right? Would you take Kyler out of this group? Yeah, I would, look, I, w- I would take Kyler out of that group because, like, we talked about being efficient and explosive. He's efficient as a passer. He's explosive as a playmaker. Um, Lamar Jackson is a bit of a unicorn. Um, I like building around him, and I like everything that Baltimore has done because Baltimore has basically put him in an offense that really works with his talents. He can throw from the pocket. He can run around and make plays, but they put attract him around them. And it works. But the guys that I would really focus on, uh, there are three guys, and I think these three yep. guys, however you rank them, Baker Mayfield, Sam Donald, and Josh Allen. And the reason I put all three of them in that conversation because we've seen flashes from all of them that would suggest that, hey, they can win, they can get it done in a variety of ways. Baker Mayfield had an outstanding first year, fell back his second year. Sam Donald, we really haven't seen the best of Sam Donald because, look, he had – the injuries or the weird stuff happened his first year. They didn't have a lot of talent around him. Then last year, I was still content. They haven't had many pieces around him to really allow us to see how good he can be. And then with Josh Allen, look, he's been a bit of a force of nature in terms of being uh, a runaround 
quarterback that has really utilized his legs far more than we envisioned when he was coming out of Wyoming. He has arm talent, but now he is really surrounded by uh, a cast of playmakers that should allow him to maximize his talent. And if he can't get it done now, we'll just kind of know where that ceiling is. But the three guys, Baker Mayfield, Sam Donald, Josh Allen, they're all intriguing. Which one of those three would you kind of bank on? Well, I, I yeah, out of those three, I, I would still stick with Sam Darnold. Let, let me pull pull some numbers here for you, Buck. Um, and this will pe- some people will think of this as sacrilege when I make this comparison, but I'm looking at Sam Darnold's career and how it's started off, right? And it's been you know some injuries, it's been inconsistent play, a lot of losses, right? If you go back, I think people forget how long Drew Brees has played in this league, mm-hmm. but if you go back and look, right, his first year. Drew Brees did not start a game. Um, second round pick, right? It's 22 year old. So 23 year old, he starts 16 games. They go eight and eight with the Chargers. He has 17 touchdowns, 16 picks. Okay. Mm-hmm. The, now we get into his third year. He's 24 years old. He's in uh, this year. He started. Let's see, 11 games, and they go two and nine. Drew Brees has 11 touchdowns and 15 picks. So now we're, we are three years into his career, and he really hasn't done a whole lot, right? I mean, one touchdown, no pick, 17 touchdowns, 16 interceptions, 11 touchdowns, 15 interceptions. They lose a lot of football games. But what happened? They started to build a better roster, and then you go into the next year. Now his 25-year-old season, um, he starts 15 games. They go 11-4 and four in those games, 27 touchdowns, 7 picks. The next year with the Chargers is his last year before he hurts that shoulder, right? They go 9-7. and seven. He has 24 touchdowns, 15 picks, um, and, uh, and, and played well there. And then, obviously, he goes to New Orleans, and the rest is history. But that was not – it wasn't an immediate coronation there for Drew Brees when he started his career. I think people forget that. In the era we are now where so many of these guys have so much success and the verdict is in um, – I think when you look at the surrounding circumstances with Sam Darnold com- compiled with the limited amount he played at SC, just a couple years there, and then um, some of the missed time, I-, I-, I don't think we're anywhere close to seeing what Sam Darnold's going to be. And I, I think maybe this is a- another year where they're under 500, um, but I still believe in the long-term uh, project there with Sam Darnold. Yeah, so it's interesting that you brought up the thing about Drew Brees, right? Because even the Chargers themselves didn't fully believe and Drew Brees Rivers. Yeah. They drafted Phillip Rivers number four overall. Now, to Drew Brees' credit, Drew Brees stepped up and played his tail off those last couple of years. And Marty Schottenheimer, they kind of changed how they played. They are a little more physical, a little more run-oriented. Um, that enabled them to kind of take some of the pressure off, and he was very, very efficient. And so he was able to stave off Phillip Rivers, what, two years or maybe yeah. three years? Two, two years, years before they finally had to give it to him. And so I, I don't know if not even the league – but if outside forces have the patience to see like a quarterback develop, we kind of want it like uh, instant oatmeal. We want to be able yeah. to pop it in the microwave for two and a half minutes, comes out, and he's ready to kind of lead us or whatever. And I just think the circumstances have to be right for a young quarterback to be able to do that. And when you draft a quarterback at the top of the board, typically you're drafting them to a bad team, a team that has a lot of holes beyond the quarterback situation. And so it does require his maturation and also the team continue to fortify those areas. Um, Baker Mayfield, I felt like we talked about Baker Mayfield a little bit on the last podcast, or I know we talked about him. Baker Mayfield's situation, year three, typically being the make-or-break year, I think this is the first time that he's actually set up to have outstanding success. I think 
and, and you've talked about it in terms of the 3P formula, play caller, playmaker, protection. Well, when I look at the play caller, Kevin Stefanski runs a heavy play action offense that really works well with Baker Mayfield. When I looked at Baker Mayfield's numbers, DJ, there is a 36-point jump in his passer rating off play action as opposed to straight drop back pass. His mm-hmm. passer rating is 106.1 off play action. Nine touchdowns, only three interceptions. I mean, it makes sense to me to build a very play action heavy offense. And then with the 12 personnel packages that we've talked about and the advantages of having Njoku and Hooper and Landry and Odell Beckham Jr. with Nick Chubb behind them, he is just better set up to have success if he can kind of rein it in. And so I think he's going to jump. I think the guy who has the biggest question mark would be Josh Allen. And the only reason is because when I look at the personnel, they put Stefan Diggs around, they have Cole Beasley, they have John Brown, and those guys can all scoot and get open and do those things. But when I look at Josh Allen, I think Josh Allen's inaccuracies kind of need you to be a little more play action heavy, a little more traditional in terms of 21 and 12 personnel, fake it, throw it deep, big windows, kind of like Cam Newton had to play. And I don't know if their personnel completely matches up to how Josh Allen has to play. And so I kind of need, without being able to see him in minicamp and training camp, I need to kind of see it before I can say, oh, okay, yeah, he's ready to go. There, when you look at that Bills team, Buck, there, there's two rookies I'm intrigued by because you've got John Brown, Stephon Diggs, Cole Beasley, right? None of those guys are big, but they're real good route runners, and you get some vertical play there. But we talked about them needing to get some size. So they draft Gabriel Davis out of UCF in the fourth round, and they draft Isaiah Hodgins uh, in the sixth round out of Oregon State. Now, Hodgins is, is uh, not somebody that's very fast, but he's got a huge catch radius. Um, I know it's a later round pick. People might not think much about it, and they've got those three starters. One of those two guys has got to step up and give them some size, man. They don't have any size. No, they don't have any size because, like, with him, it's, it's really important. Like, I would think of Josh Allen, and I would go back and use the old Chargers model. I'm going to get these basketball players, oh, these yeah. big guys that expand the strike zone. So if he is inaccurate, like, those guys can go get the ball off um, the alley-oop and do those things. I think the other rookie that is very important, Zach Moss. Because mm-hmm. Zach Moss, physicality and toughness goes with the run thing. Devin Singletary had a very, very solid rookie season. Like his yards per carry was very, very uh, impressive. But Zach Moss gives them a little toughness, a little physicality. And when we think about the Buffalo Bills and how they're kind of a hard-hat, blue-collar football team, they're going to need to rely on the run. And that run game can't all be Josh Allen. And so I think Zach Moss has to also play a role as they're kind of building this offense. And Brian Dayball is kind of – floating in and out of a bunch of different personnel packages to try and take and try and create and exploit personnel matchups. Yeah, I feel like in in a weird way, Josh Allen might have more pressure on him than anybody else in this in this class because they're kind of viewed as the favorite in that division, the front runner. Uh, Cleveland obviously is chasing Baltimore. Uh, the Jets, even though Tom Brady's gone, I think most people would say Buffalo is clearly the the favorite above them. So I think there's a little more pressure there uh, on Josh Allen. Uh, Buck, let's uh, let's get to this last topic here on on teams at the line of scrimmage because we talk about the importance of being able to play well at the quarterback position being able to rush the passer, and then also the offensive line. We've always said it's hard to be a bad team when you're good in the trenches, you mm-hmm. know, when you're when you're a real dominant team there. So I, I wrote down my top five teams in terms of where they are at the line of scrimmage, offensive line combined with the defensive line, and, and tell me what you think and see if I'm missing anybody here. Uh, number one on my list would be the Saints. 
Um, mm. I think when you look at their offensive line, it's complete. Um, you look at the defensive line, especially with Marcus Davenport, if he can be healthy to complement Cam Jordan and the rest of that crew, they can get after the quarterback both off the edge and inside. Um, I think they're the, they're the top one. The Niners would be second for me. You know, Joe Staley goes out. Trent Williams, if he's healthy and right, has a chance to maybe even be an upgrade there uh, at that position. So they're good on the offensive line. Um, and obviously we know about the defensive line, the depth that they have there. Uh, so they would be two. Philly would be third. You know, a lot's going to be riding on Andre Dillard stepping in there for Jason Peters. Um, he was inconsistent last year, obviously much more comfortable on the left side than the right side. But when you look at, at Kelsey and Lane Johnson and Brandon Brooks, those guys are elite players on the offensive line. And then I feel like people kind of forgot about the Eagles and what they did in the offseason. When you look at that defensive front that they have, uh, when you put Hargrave next to uh, Fletcher Cox and then you've got Brandon Graham and, and Derek Barnett, that's a pretty good group there on, on the defensive front. So they, they would be third for me. KC would be fourth. Um, we know about their offensive line and, and how good they are. Mitchell Schwartz, probably the best right tackle in the NFL. Um, and then you look on the defensive line with the big two, with Chris Jones and then, uh, and then with Clark coming off, Frank Clark coming off the edge. So they would be four. And then I put Indy at five. I know Indy doesn't have I mean, Justin Houston coming off the edge. I don't think he's what he used to be. But when you make the trade to bring in DeForest Buckner along the defensive line, I think uh, you know, he's going to compliment him very well. Um, Kamoko Therese is an interesting young player. They've got Autry there. They've, they've got a good group on the defensive line and then offensive line, and we've talked a bunch about them uh, over the last couple of years. They're very good there. So all five of those teams, I mean, they're, they're playoff teams. They're, they're five of the best teams in the NFL, and it's no secret they're really good in the trenches. No, really good. And it's hard to kind of argue uh, with any of them. Uh, Kansas City, I worry a little bit about their offense line because they had some injuries last year. They were exposed a little bit. But, no, nah, they're, they're tough. The one thing, team, that is the notable admission, omission to me would be the Baltimore Ravens. Mm -hmm. And I know some of that has to do with Marshall Yonda retiring. But Ronnie Staley has become a good player. Uh, Orlando Brown has, has been much better than anticipated defensively. The moves that they made in getting Calais Campbell, Derek Wolf coming over, uh, has kind of fortified their front. Uh, Matt Udon uh, was a yeah. double-digit sack artist. Uh, I think they are one of the teams that's kind of on the outside looking in that I, I, could, I think we can make a case that they could be included in that mix. Yeah, I, the only thing that kept them off for me was um, you know, just interior of the offensive line, and Yonda not being there is a big part of that. But um, the way they play, you know, Guys being a little bit limited, maybe in pass protection along the interior, it doesn't matter. You know, it, it doesn't yeah. matter because they have defenses playing on their heels because of all the different things they're going to do, and they're going to mow you in the run game, and then uh, and then in the pass game, the team, teams are having to play them run to pass. You don't see teams get the chance to really pin their ears back on these guys. Yeah, and like some of it is systematic. Like DJ, it's like mm -hmm. playing those old Air Force and Army teams and Navy and all those things where they, they may not have the most impressive offensive line on the hoof, but they play together and they play well within that system. That system is very problematic with all the deception, the misdirection, the power gap stuff, the power read run game that they're running. They give you a lot. They throw a lot of pitches at you, and you kind of feel like you're on your heels from the jump. Um, you know, it, 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 it takes me back. I hate, I hate to keep referencing Smoltz, but he talked about when he had to throw the knuckleball to Tony Gwynn. <laughs> Tony Gwynn. They hit you with a flurry of knuckleballs that just kind of leave you dazed and befuddled at the line of scrimmage. And so uh, Baltimore is definitely in the mix. I think the team that people are surprised at isn't in there because a lot of what people have talked about for the last three, four, five years has been about the Dallas Cowboys offensive line and how dominant they are. And, DJ, when I study them, 
the last couple of years, like they haven't been, they're Not more the reputation than reality. Like uh, Tyron Smith was a really good player. Uh, three, four, five years ago, he's not the same level player. Lel Collins, um, you know, we we talked about him potentially being a first round pick before all that stuff happened, and he goes undrafted. And I still think that those pre draft opinions kind of hang around him because I don't know yep. if he's dominated to the level. And so the Dallas Cowboys being a team where on the outside we we expect them to be a dominant thing. Dak Prescott has this fortress in front of him, and I don't think they play to the level. And then on defense. Demarcus Lawrence had a great year, but the last couple years inside, he hasn't had a playmate. Robert Quinn was there, but he's gone. So who is the guy that compliments him on the inside? They're hoping it's Gerald McCoy, you know, but uh, Gerald McCoy's not what he was as a younger player. He lost 20 pounds, though. He lost 20 pounds. Oh, did he? he Lost 20 pounds. He he said he... What was he doing? Peloton? What was he doing? I I, I don't know. Like, last year, he talked about his, his loss of explosiveness may have been due to his vegan diet. He was a strict vegan last year and said that he just kind of felt sluggish at times. So he's kind of mixed it up and going back to it. He's, he's worked that hard. And they not only have Jeremy McCoy, they got Dontari Poe playing yeah. right beside him. So they got two big bodies. And, you know, Mike Nolan, who was our former colleague at NFL Network, he, uh, he wants to kind of use a little hybrid defense. So we'll see how it goes. But, nah, that top five looks solid. The, the Baltimore Ravens are the one team that kind of stands out to me. Yeah, that's a good one. I, I think you, you're on it. I can make a case there. Uh, you did make a very strong case there for the Ravens being in that mix. Um, so maybe we just do top six. Uh, top six <laughs> teams there. That's how I get around that. Uh, well, Buck, man, it, it's uh, it, it's it, part of me feels if it feels wrong, like talking about anything you know other than what's going on in the world. But it was enjoyable. I, I mean, it was it was fun just to take a little break here and, and talk some football. Yeah, no, no, no doubt, man. Football is always king. Uh, it'd be great to get back to it. It'd also be great to kind of get back to being able to not only look at this NFL talent, but some of these young guys that are kind of popping up on the radar for the 2021 draft. Yeah, I've got uh, a first look. Oh, that is it. Because I wanted to yeah. talk about it because, yeah. yeah, your first look, the first one came out on Justin Fields. And I know we had the conversation about all three quarterbacks at the top last last week about Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, and uh, Trey Lance. But real mm-hmm. quick, like, what did you see? Like, what was the deal, your report on Justin Fields, just your first look? It reminded me a lot of Dak, you know, to be honest. I know uh, you talked a lot about Jalen Hurts and Dak Prescott. I actually saw it even more with, with, with him. I thought there was, um, you know, the, the strength that they have to be able to pull through tackles in the pocket and uh, be, able, be able to make every single throw. He's a, he's a, he might not be the most explosive runner, but he's a talented runner. He can make guys miss. He can he can pull through tackles. He's physical. He's tough. Um, and then as a passer, um, I'm hoping with him, I'll see a little bit of that same evolution we saw with Dak going into his last year at Mississippi State. And I thought he made a big leap there. Yeah. Um, and and Fields makes you know makes good decisions. Needs to get the ball out a little bit. We talked about that yeah. on, on the last episode. Just get the ball out on time a little more. Just overall vision um, can be areas he can improve. But, you know, he's, he's intriguing. He's a really intriguing player who makes a lot of plays. And I, I thought when you kind of went through the tape, you could see after he got the knee injury that he wasn't really kind of the same guy. Um, so hopefully Ohio State gets a healthy version of him. But he's a, he's a really good football player. And that's the, the first of the first look series. I got 20 of these things coming out. Ooh. So I've got uh, somebody's, somebody's I, just, I got Penny Sewell's coming out next from, from Oregon. So we can talk about him on the next episode. But I watched him, and he's a, he's a really good player. So he'll be the next one up. It's funny because, man, Mario Cristobal, when we were up there, he could not stop singing his praises. Oh, yeah. So, there he is. There he is. He's right there. He's right there. The left like, I think but also hear his coach. Another, yeah. another one, when Marlon Davidson said he was the toughest player that he played, that's when my eyes opened. Like, oh, uh, 
Yeah, he, he got he got Marlon Davidson a couple times. <laughs> he got him a couple times. That was, that was the first tape that I watched. It was a really good tape for him. So really good player. Um, so that'll be that'll be the next one up. And then I uh, after him, I've already watched him, but I'll got to write him up. Is a guy you know going back to the uh, elite eleven was the linebacker from Penn State, Micah Parsons. Um, oh, who's Micah. really athletic. Uh, so we we talk about those guys on the next one. Uh, all right, Buck. This has been fun, man. It's good to see you. Um, Looking forward to the day where we actually be together again, you know, like actually in person. You know, hopefully Ooh, that day is closer. It might, might be a while. I uh, know. Hopefully, well, it's closer today than it was yesterday. So that's all, sure. that's how I'm looking at it. Uh, but anyways, thank, thanks again, man. Thanks to uh, to Nabil, Mark, uh, Arjuna, everybody for kind of help put these things together. Our shows uh, again. The TV show will be Thursday, 6 p.m. Eastern. You can find it there, uh, where we'll have um, our guest Chris uh, Collinsworth, and uh, be on the lookout for the audio podcast as well, where we'll release the entire interview we had uh, with the 16-time Emmy Award winner, who's got some outstanding perspective. So. That's going to do it for us. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll catch you next time right here on Move the Sticks. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Picasso knows your vacation home is your best home. It's the place that brings family and friends together. It's where you're the best version of yourself. Picasso makes it easy to co-own a luxury vacation home in amazing locations. Listings start at 200K for one-eighth ownership. Picasso does all the work for you. Luxury furnishings, maintenance, billing, scheduling, and more. And you can resell on Picasso's marketplace anytime, historically for a 10% gain. Visit Picasso to see thousands of listings. That's P-A-C-A-S-O dot com. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. 
Real Steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.